Friends, I will read Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Called to perfection. This promised commandment was written by Matthew the Evangelist and is presented to us in the series of sermons of Pastor Arcadi. It is an inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and it is addressed by Jesus Christ toward his disciples. And those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. With regard to the fulfillment of this commandment, we will look at one of the meanings of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person that gives God the basis to give us, to make us heirs of peace, not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith just as he has given it to Abraham and his seed, or rather us, because we are the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham was us, and because we are in Christ, we are from, we are all, are the seed of Christ. Seed is one, but we are all many in this one seed. Romans 4.13, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So here the righteousness of faith resists the law of works. The law of works represents one thing. A person must do. He must not do evil. He must do good. But how do I not do evil? How do I do good when I want to do good, but I can't? And I don't want to do evil, but I do. The law of works says, do not do evil, do good. But righteousness says, before you go to the law of holiness, you must first not begin from works, but uh, begin from the fact that you will find a person who will represent the delegated authority of God. And he is going to tell you the truth, the revelation that will become the attainment of your heart, with which you will renew your thinking, which will later become the proclamation of your lips. And when it does become the proclamation of your lips, only then you can uh, carve yourself to fit that word that you are reading about. And this is a code. Constitution. The constitution of our country, America and Russia and other, it is... Um, for sinners and it's constantly changing. This is this constitution, the word of God, the teaching of Christ, it is meant for perfect people and it has never changed, transformed, or distorted. When Christ had come, the religious world was in shock. He had uh, lifted the pedestal and he said, he spoke of holiness. Christ coming, he had magnified the word, whereas the code of our country always allows the tolerance to uh, penetrate into the country because the earthly constitution is for the sinners and the teaching of Jesus Christ is meant for people who want to change through righteousness of faith. And so, pastor gives us a definition. The righteousness of faith is defined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God presented in the gospel word of the messengers of God, 
at the head with people who represent the fatherhood of God for us. In this manner, the covenant of peace on the heart of a person is the result of the obedience of the faith of person to the faith of God in the words of the messengers of God. And one of the signs by which we can judge of our partaking to the sons of peace is by our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. According to these words, the rule of the peace of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition, if the selective love of God will abide in our hearts and we will be clothed into the selective love of God. The character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven virtues. And here are these virtues written in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-8. through 8. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and uh, love. So let us not forget, again, how we came to this uh, component. We were talking about righteousness, the justification that was transformed into righteousness. And when justification transformed into righteousness, righteousness begins to have the quality of peace in us, and we become heirs of peace. When we become heirs of peace, to prove our partaking to the covenant of peace, we it is possible through the presence of the selective love of God. The presence of the selective love of God can uh, be proved only through the virtues these seven virtues that represent the bond of all for perfection virtue, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, and so on. And it's interesting is that each of these virtues um, are dissolved to one another and contain the characteristics of each other because of which they flow over one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and verify the authenticity of one another. These virtues and seven characteristics in our hearts are called to be the moral perfections and the standards inherent to the essence of God. That's why I had said that the constitution of our country um, is meant for the sinners, the criminals. But God's law is meant to those people who want to be inherent to the Heavenly Father. Furthermore, these virtues are the great and precious promises that are given to us through Christ Jesus and in Christ. These virtues are uh, are the treasures and the riches of Christ which we are called to be enriched with. And to enter into this inheritance, um, it is possible when we accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life. And the means that we are called to enact to accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God through which we become partakers of God's essence, and because of which the proclamation of the faith of our heart becomes equal to the words that come from the mouth of God. So this is what the virtues represent in these different components. These seven unearthly characteristics, how they make us inherent to the Heavenly Father. They become our inheritance, our fate, our characteristics, and then the Holy Spirit allows, through the proclamation of the faith of our heart, it, uh, He allows us to be clothed into these words and coincide with these words. So the selective love of God expressed in seven unearthly uh, virtues and characteristics has nothing in common with the nature of tolerant human love, which is filled with selfishness, 
um, and inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the selected love of God and seven dignities or virtues differs in that it is filled with the zeal of God. It is filled with His omnipresence, His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use in our corrupt and selfish desires. Whereas a tolerant love of man toward man, a person can easily use for his selfish purposes or for his selfish goals. This is how the pages of scripture define the strength of the love of God that is impossible to purchase. Transform, forge, use in our corrupt purposes or goals. Songs of Solomon 8, 6, and 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. It can't be purchased with a bribe. The level of the strength of God's love is defined by uh, the level of God's hatred toward those who practice evil and evil. Hebrews 1.9 You have loved righteousness. This you is God. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Hated love, loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 Only by loving that which God loves and despising that which God despises, we can demonstrate the perfection of God in His reaction to the righteous who practice good and to the unrighteous who practice evil and lawlessness. For the selective love of God, according to its unchanging nature in the format of seven supernatural virtues, is called to bring us to the full measure of the stature of Christ or to the perfection that is inherent to our Heavenly Father. This is one and the same. The fullness of the measure of, of Christ is the perfection that is inherent to the Heavenly Father. For us to light with, uh, to shine with the light on the just and on the unjust and pour out a rains on the just for blessings and on the unjust for punishment. With this, again, I have uh, made this text for myself bold, this particular paragraph or sentence. The selective love of God in the format of seven unearthly dignities is called to destroy the power of death in our body and replace it with the, uh, with the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies into the resurrection of Christ in the face of the new man. Tolerant love is n incapable of this. To destroy the power and replace it with a different power, it is impossible. Tolerant love cannot do this. If that truth that we read about and what we hear through our pastor, we offer it in another church where there is a democratic face standing at the head and a tolerant face, this truth perhaps might be met with applause, but it is going to be destroyed at the very next service. Why? Because tolerant love will not be able to grow this fruit. It is going to kill it in the womb. When studying the first question, with what dignities the scripture endow the, the source out of which flows God's love, we arrived uh, to the conclusion that the love of God is poured out and flows from the virtue of the Heavenly Father Himself expressed in His goodness. Jesus said, No one is good but the Father. He is a good God. 
Also, the love of God is poured out out of Christ in the subject of His uh, sacrifice for His church. Gurus. Uh, also, we see the love of God poured out in, in the face of Christ in the subject of His sacrifice for His church. He says to His Son, Son, you magnify this word. I have written what you must do. I did not send you to heal and to resurrect or raise up. This is what the apostles will do, the teachers, the pastors. You have come to die and to rise up. But also show how to preach and to heal to the apostles so they know what to do. But this is not your ministry. You will die and you will be resurrected. And he, he went. He accepted this path. Third, the love of God is poured out in our hearts in the face of the Holy Spirit that comes from the atmosphere of God's love. Fourth, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by hearing the word of God sent to us by God through His messengers. Scripture specifically says, He has sent the good word and healed them, delivered them from their graves. The word good means word in which the Father is present. And He looks at our reaction. How we are going to react to the word. And He thinks, interesting, am I going to spend eternity with Him or not? The love of God, fifth, is poured out in our hearts by studying the world created by God. That's why those scientists who uh, they're scientists that have achieved certain knowledge, um, they have achieved this this depth of knowledge. When they achieve it, they need to come to the conclusion that is through through God. Six, the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the church, or rather, through fellowship with saints. In the church of God, there is the goodness of God. That's why to go against the church, I would not want to. I would not want to uh, ruin my relationship with the chosen ones. Towards my relationship with saints, we demonstrate our relationship to our Father, how it will be throughout all of eternity. Sometimes people live a very long life and God thinks, interesting, should I spend this uh, eternity with this person? Although He already foreknows. He is the omnipotent God and He knows all, but He waits. He waits for us. Seven, the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the good soil of our heart. Our heart also contains the goodness of God if it is good. By studying the essence of the love of God that comes from the goodness of God, we arrive to the conclusion that the level of God's love is defined and known by the level of the hatred of God towards evil and those who practice evil. Because only by loving that which God loves and despising that which God despises, we express God's reaction toward good and toward evil. And that's why, by answering the question, who and what God loves, we have defined that the love of God that flows from the virtue of God, according to its nature, first, loves to have mercy on those who are repenting, loves the orphan, the widow, and the 
stranger. Third, it loves its nation, it loves the righteous, it loves the gates of Zion, it loves justice, and it loves a cheerful giver. And by studying who and what God hates, we arrive to the conclusion that according to Scripture, the love of God flowing out of the virtue of God uh, by nature first despises those who despise the Lord, it hates those who practice evil works, it hates evil thoughts against neighbor, it hates when the feasts of the Lord are used for the satisfaction of the flesh, it hates the work of the Nicolaitans who taught about tolerant love of God, that we don't call sin that which Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul call sin. They were very uh, they were very strict on their sermons. This is one of the leaders who began to preach about tolerant love and he said, we don't consider certain things sin. They had um, drinking alcohol, they had different relations with one another. They had said that God understands and God sees your needs and therefore God closes his eyes to certain things. You have been born again and you are guaranteed a future with God. That's what they believed and that's what the uh, Galatians did. I don't know statistics, but today with a large percentage, if we gather the Adventists, Pentecostals, and write clan of Nicolaitans above them with a banner. These are true Nicolaitans. They are no worthy to call Adventist or whoever else. Adventists are those who wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Enoch, seventh from Adam, he said, the Lord will come with his angels and he will practice justice over all of them and over all the lawlessness and all of their wicked words that they had spoken. Today, Adventists in America, they are defined, they have a, a tolerant gay flag outside of their churches and they call themselves Adventist, tolerant. Strange interests that they have. Someone must have a sense of humor who has horns and a tail who is, who is taunting them. Now let us turn to the expression of the essence of God's love in the format of knowledge. We, we want to show knowledge. Today we'll talk about knowledge, the knowledge of God, and self-control. Select the love of God. Um, apart from tolerant love that is that is blind because it is led with emotions and not wisdom, select the love of God according to its perseverance rules over its emotions. And therefore, the selective love of God is led by a sober understanding that leads its emotions, telling them who and how it is necessary to love and who and how it is necessary to hate. And to demonstrate in our faith the love of God, it will be necessary for us to cooperate with God by using the mind of Christ that is that contains the dignity or the virtue of knowledge. The knowledge of God is the mind of Christ. Love in which a person 
expresses his own mind instead of expressing the mind of Christ has no relation toward the selective love of God that flows from the virtue of good of God. In scripture, knowledge contains the mind of, of Christ in us. And so knowledge is the vision of, or knowledge of Christ in us acknowledging Christ in us understanding Christ in us and the justice of Christ in us it is the mind of Christ it is knowledge and so let us take a look at what the knowledge of Christ is called to do or what the mind of Christ is called to do in us. And so there are seven components that Pastor offers us. The first, the knowledge, the knowledgeable love of Christ in us is called to give us knowledge about what is good and what is evil, or what God views as good and what He views as evil. This is what knowledge does, or the mind of Christ in us. Job chapter 34, verses 1 through 4. Elihu further answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men. Give ear to me, you who have knowledge. For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. According to these words, it follows that the knowledge of the love of God in us is made dependent or it flows from hearing the word of God that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. As Elihu says, Hear my words, you wise men. Give ear to me, you who have knowledge. This can be done only by those who have the mind of Christ. Even just the ability to listen to a preacher already tells us about the presence of the mind of Christ. Because the word of God that is spoken not in the power of the Holy Spirit is a letter that kills. As a body without the Spirit is dead, so is the word of God without the Holy Spirit dead. The mind of Christ is contained in the Word of God that is accepted by us in the power of the Holy Spirit without which we will not be able to fulfill the moral law of love that is contained in Holy Scripture. And that's why only when we do not violate the order and the laws in Scripture we demonstrate in our faith the knowledgeable love of God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 5 through 6. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. It is through the knowledgeable love of God poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit can we be met and know the mind of our Heavenly Father through the mind of Christ. To know the mind of the Heavenly Father is to know the mind of God Himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? Only He who has the mind of Christ, or the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Acknowledging the mind of Christ, giving us the ability to know what is good and what is evil, occurs through our prayer communication with God when we are cling to hearing His word. That's why the main enemy of the love of God and the subject of His knowledge in this situation is our inability or the inability of our hearts to hear the word of God. The main enemy for the mind of Christ 
main enemy is the inability and the uh, and the lack of desire to hear the word of God from the messenger of God. This is a big enemy. There are very many reasons for this. People say, I don't understand it this way. Um, we ha I have my own understanding. Or I don't understand anything. It's very difficult for me to understand. All of these words speak of the fact that the mind of Christ is, is lacking. Ecclesiastes 5.1 Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil because in the temple of God here the mind of Christ presents itself and therefore take heed how you hear for whoever has to him more will be given and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him Second, we're talking about knowledge. Demonstrate in your virtue knowledge. Talking about virtue, we talked about what good is, what love is. From which source does it flow from? What does God love? What does God despise or hate? Now we must look at knowledge that will allow us to define all of this and take all these truths and understanding. It is the mind of Christ that will help us organize everything. When we set it out, when we place it out, it will be easier for us to understand it. We need to apply it to ourselves and to pay a certain price. Because after we have knowledge, then we have to have patience. And all of this tells us how we can pursue the perfection of the Heavenly Father. First we come to virtue, then we come to knowledge. Then knowledge, we have self-control. And right now we're talking about the second virtue. It is the knowledge of Christ in us. Second, the knowledgeable love of Christ in us is called to be defined by the ability to conform us to the life of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. This I say, therefore, testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having an understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Here they can't have the mind of Christ. A carnal mind that is separated from the life of God because it is held, cap uh, it is held captive in the desires of man in which a carnal person, because of his ignorance, calls, um, calls these kind of lusts God's love. But knowledgeable love that comes from... Um, Come, that comes from God attaches us to the life of God. It is a light that carries eternal life that is called to rule over all of our essence and to separate the desires of our spirit from the desires of the body. Genesis chapter 1 verses 14 through 8. In this first chapter of the book of Genesis, here we see the mind of Christ. Then God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. Take a look. All of this happens to the mind of Christ. All of this is written about the mind of Christ. And the main enemy of the selective love of God in its knowledge is our human emotions. 
that is distorted by our, our carnal mind. Third, the knowledgeable love of Christ in us is called to be expressed in the fear of the Lord that is expressed in not placing our mind equal to the mind of God. If I have the mind of Christ, I will never place my own thoughts near the thoughts of God. Ezekiel 20 verses 6 through 8 Therefore thus says the Lord God because you have set your heart as the heart of a God behold therefore I will bring strangers against you the most terrible of the nations and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom each time when we demonstrate the, the love of God in our faith every time we rely on the abilities of our carnal mind we demonstrate the love of man because the carnal mind of man is outside of the limits of inaccessible light in which abides and rules the selective love of God, agape. And therefore, when we, with the abilities of our mind, try to demonstrate in our faith the love of God, we write the le on the legislation of God with our own name, and in this manner, we place our mind equal to the mind of Christ. This happens when hearing the word of God that we like, and it seems very correct, we for somehow express our agreement with the English exclamation, yes, and this is absurdity, and this absurdity, try, this absurdity, it tries to show us that we're spiritual when we exclaim, a yes, whereas scripture defines this kind of exclamation as placing our mind equal to the mind of God. According to scripture, the principles and commandments of God that come from the selective love of God are called to and are supposed to be explained, exclaimed, expressed in the name of God, amen, and not yes, or or yes. Today, many Slavic peoples, instead of saying da, they say yes in American or in English. Although they don't really like America. But every other word they say okay and yes. One, there's one person who came here from Kazakhstan. He said, we hate, uh, we don't really like Americans. But yet, again, every other word he uses using an English word. This is, or, these are incorrect exclamations in the church that occur. Let us look at this correct exclamation. Amen. Deuteronomy 27, 9-23. The Moses and the priest, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, People tell their pastors, preach, priest, yes, yes. Let us take a look at the correct way, or how Moses had, had done this correctly. Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these shall stand on the Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed, again everything begins with a prayer. 
First, cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. We don't say yes, but trembling. The Levites proclaimed this. They said, Amen. All of Israel said, Amen. Second, Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. All the people say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed, and all those people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who kills his neighbor. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who takes a bribery to purchase someone or spill blood. And all the people shall say, Amen. And twelfth, cursed is the one who does not fulfill the words of this law and will not act according to them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Through this process, God, through His chosen nation, ratified the legislation as a law of the spirit of life, as well as a law of sin and death on Mount Ebal and on Mount Gerizim. This was not something that came from the devil. This was done by the people of God on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, the teaching of blessing the chain of curses. The devil says, this is mine, this is mine. No. Here, the devil didn't say, Amen. When people said amen, he would hide in his little uh, foxholes. And in this manner, Israel had made themselves a partaker to, um, to the blessings of God. Fourth, the knowledgeable love of Christ in us is called to be expressed in the ability to not take the name of the Lord uh, in name the Lord of God in vain and call his works ours. We place our mind equal to the mind of Christ when we attribute um, the creation of God with our name. Or on the contrary, things that we do, we say it comes from God. Deuteronomy 5.11 You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. To use the Lord's name in vain means to unlawfully swear by the name of God or to unlawfully call the promises of God that belong to the children of Abraham, but rather to those people who have the faith of Abraham. Jeremiah 14, 14, The Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Why? He says, I did not send them. And that's why they, they try to attribute their human creations with the name of the Holy Spirit. But we know the Holy Spirit. He doesn't like it when the Lord's name is taken in vain. Uh, the Lord's name is taken in vain. He doesn't like it when he, the Holy Spirit doesn't like when His name is taken and written on things. And this I understood through the sermons of Pastor Arkady, because these things are practiced 
a lot of other places. I was not born in America. I came from the other side of the globe, and I saw what different churches do, and it was prestigious when people had uh, the ability to write their signature with the name of the Holy Spirit or, you, or say, Holy Spirit has told me. This, was, this is very popular. Fifth, the knowledgeable love of Christ in us is called to protect us from evil. Proverbs 2, chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. When wisdom enters your heart, knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. According to these words, it follows that if the mind of Christ as a component of the love of Christ will not be placed into our hearts, then we will not have any kind of love of God, and therefore we will not have any protection from evil. So God protects us from evil. How? The Holy Spirit, tell me, Holy Spirit, tell me, Holy Spirit, tell me. Why do people arrive at the need to open the Bible and point their fingers and they think it's from the Lord? When I was young, I did the same thing. And when I would open the Bible, and this was a few times, I always opened, Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. You'd think that this practice may work sometimes, or Brother Akadi never preaches it, but you might stop yourself. How come if this is from God, I'm trying to magnify myself by, by doing this? No, should not practice this. We need to learn how to the mind, have the mind of Christ because the teaching of Christ has already given us an answer to all of our questions. With the lack of the mind of Christ, it is impossible to define good and evil. Evil are things that are inspired by the flesh or comes from the flesh, whereas good is obedience to the order of God that is contained in the commandments, statutes, and order of God. This is good. Good is that which comes from the word of God. When we say it's from God, when everything that comes from God must be founded in, in Scripture, it must be found in Scripture. It is order that's contained in the commandments, statutes, laws of God. Evil, again, is that which comes from the flesh, and good is that which comes from good. Oh, good. Good, everything comes to us from God. But a Brother Akari says, can you verify this by Scripture? A lot of people say, no. No, but I know this comes from God, because all things work together for the good, <laughs> a lot of people say. People think that everything that they do works together for the good. But there are other places of Scripture that, um, that explain this differently. And again, good is everything that is contained in the commandments, statutes, laws, and order of God. Six, the knowledgeable love of Christ in us is called to be expressed in the ability to acknowledge the will of God. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. According to these words, it follows that if the mind of Christ as a component of the love of Christ will not be placed in our heart, then we will not have any ability to know the will of God and grow in the love of God. Because to be transformed into the image of God through our renewed mind means to grow in the love of God into the full measure of the stature of Christ or to come to perfection means to demonstrate the presence of the mind of Christ the presence of knowledge in our lives 
because the level of the full measure of the stature of Christ is boldness expressed in our ability to meet our Lord as a groom with a burning lamp or rather with a renewed mind or with the mind of Christ. Others, their lamps begin to, to dim. Why? They did not demonstrate the mind of Christ before the coming of the Lord. What is this? They use their own human emotions, but to come out to meet the groom is to uh, demonstrate the presence of the mind of Christ, to demonstrate the presence of knowledge, and the presence of this kind of boldness, this burning lamp, it is called to be the realization of our promise that relates to the door of our hope, or the door of meeting the Lord in the, uh, meeting the, Lord in the air. When meeting the Lord in the clouds, this presence of knowledge is quite necessary. The wise had fixed their lamps and they went out to meet the groom. They had demonstrated knowledge or the presence of the mind of Christ in themselves. And this is very important. We go further. This proverb shows us why do I need to demonstrate the mind of Christ, a renewed mind? Because through a renewed mind, our my prayer, through the proclamation, when I pray in tongues, my word in, in my language, then my words become equal to the words of God. And these words will not just transform something around me, but they will transform me. This is how it, why it's unique. The signs that curl around, the miracles, okay, all right, this might be good. I, but I want to see these miracle signs occurring in myself. I'm not against the thunder or lightning hitting somewhere. Uh, hitting something or building what's going to how is it going to benefit me I need this lighting to hit me so that God could could work with me so that I can work myself some of the knowledge contained in the love of Christ in our heart is called to be expressed in the ability to keep us from stumbling the mind of or the mind of Christ keeps us from stumbling Proverbs 3 chapter verses 21 to 24 my son let them not depart from your eyes keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble when you lie down you will not be afraid yes you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet this is the one this is for the one who has the mind of Christ and according to these words it follows that if the mind of Christ as a component of the love of Christ will not be placed into our heart then we will have no ability to uh, accept eternal life for our lives the result of stumbling is a lack of the life of eternal life or rather the destructive influence of death in our life And God has given this guarantee through knowledge. We are coming to the love of God to place on this crown virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and, and brotherly kindness and love. This leads us, all these leads us to the crown, the crown of selective love of God. And this, this component knowledge is very important and this is the second quality now let's look at the essence of God's love from the position of the third quality of the ladder of Apostle Peter this is self-control self-control because apart from the love of God that tells uh, that tells the heart you sh uh, you cannot forbid the heart the love of God is is self-controlled in scripture this third quality It is expressed in um, different meanings of the word to have self-control. 
Self-control with regard to us means self-bridling, self-control, self-discipline, self-testing, and self-governing. It is a presence of these shades of self-control expressed expressed over it or expressed in us define this like the love of Christ in us and we see these in godliness meekness wisdom and humility of oneself this is how this quality self-control can be expressed in us through meekness, through wisdom, through humility. It is a demonstration of self-control that is contained in the selective love of Christ that abides in our heart it is a liberation of Christ in us, which is expressed in the abilities of us to conduct just justice with regard to ourself and in this manner protect the legal rights of the Son of God in us from our carnal desires. What is self-control do it demonstrate or it protects the sovereign rights of God in us from our flesh it's interesting what kind of watchman look at what self-control does in our essence it is a protector it is a watchman of the Lord Jesus Christ from our own flesh knowing our flesh the flesh wants to to cover the love of God with its own qualities for us to better understand self-controlling love of God, we will look at how the love of Christ expresses itself in self-control. Seven components that we'll go over of self-control. First, self-control contained in the, in the love of Christ. Again, we're talking about the love of Christ. What is the holy selected love of God? It is virtuous. It is knowledgeable. It has this third quality, self-control. And again, first, self-control in our heart is defined by the power of our voluntary abilities directed to fulfilling the commandments of God. Practically all the commandments of the Lord pursue the bridling of the human essence and redirecting our will to fulfilling the will of God, whereas all of the blessings of God are the promises of God that are God's gratitude for us fulfilling His commandments. So, it's a very interesting limit placed here. Commandment and blessing. Commandment, it pursues to bridle me and to redirect my will to fulfilling the will of God. And this kind of relationship to the commandment of God leads me to a blessing. And a blessing is the promise of the Heavenly Father that is His gratitude to us for fulfilling His commandments. I fulfill His commandments. He, in turn, blesses me with His promises as, as His thanksgiving. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Possess to us as a land means to possess our body. According to these definitions, um, fulfilling the commandments, in the fulfilling the commandments of God, is uncover the potential of God's love that opens the doors to eternal life for the multiplication of uh, our achievement of the promised land. And to try to fulfill these commandments, we need to apply a certain energy or a certain strength expressed in the self-control, self-controlling love of God. And if we defined what knowledge is, then we will need to define what self-control is. 
self-control, which gives us the power to choose what God views as good and to reject all that God views as evil. As is written, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 15, Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. First, we must understand what is good and what is evil, and only then must we reject what is evil and choose what is good. First, we must understand, this is the mind of Christ that allows us to understand. Now we have self-control, this third quality, to reject this evil and to choose this good. But first, we need to understand what is good and what is evil. And the mind of Christ tells us what is good and what is evil. Now we have this, the third virtue, self-control. We, we found out this information so that we can now choose good and reject evil. So, love that expresses its own will instead of expressing the will of God has nothing in common with the selective love of God. Expressing self, the self-controlling love of God in us is the ability to rule over ourselves or the ability to control the emotions that come from our body. The word prince, or to rule, or to uh, be a prince over ourselves, means a person who controls his horse, or rather his feelings. In scripture, um, controlling a horse always means bridling our body. Psalms 32, 9. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. According to these definitions, it follows that the emotional sphere of our essence, the essence of our body, can be bridled when we uh, when we harness our mouth with bit and bridle because it is the tongue of our body that is that is the wheel of our essence James chapter 3 verses 2 through 3 for we all stumble in many things if anyone does not stumble in a word he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body indeed we put bits in horses mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body how we control the body of a horse we control the the horse's mouths or rather our body's mouth for this kind of bridling we need someone someone the someone with a capital S someone who is going to bridle us through bits and bridles because according to the definition of scripture we do not fit this role ourselves and this is good. I tried to, you know, it doesn't work. Only the Holy Spirit can aid us. Without Him, it won't work. James chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. No one themselves can tame their tongue. That's why a writer who is able to bridle his tongue and to lead us as his horse is the Holy Spirit to whom we, through prayer, must give the basis to bridle us. Psalms 141 verse 3 Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
A watchman or a guard over our lips is comprised of bits and bridles. Bits is that which the Holy Spirit uses as a writer for the, the goal which is God. And Brother Akadi had presented for us how bits and bridles work. And I'm going to conclude this component here today, though, and I'll just say that these bits and these bridles are our proclamations. I want us... I can't myself tame my tongue. The Holy Spirit can allow us. I can't say the Holy Spirit... I hear that you can do this. We'll do it. Well, he says, okay, it's a long process. Look, uh, Listen to the words of the messenger. Accept them in your heart. Then that which you have accepted in your heart, begin to renew your thinking. And then he says, after you've renewed your thinking, now proclaim what has become the achievement of your heart and your thinking, and now the achievement of your lips. And when this prayer becomes achievement of your lips, I will redirect you because then you will uh, coincide with that word that is in your heart because it is in your words. I completely, um, I have completely tamed you and your words are equal to the words of God. I thought that, I thought that it was different, but this is the process. People oftentimes say when you begin to tell them something, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. the word of God in the heart the word of God in the mind the word of God in our lips and when these three components are present the mind, the lips and the heart they become bridles and the Holy Spirit is the, is the writer he is the Lord and ruler of our life third self-control stand watch of our sovereign liberations and did respects uh, respect sovereign rights this kind of liberation or respect for the sovereignty of a person from the side or from the perspective of God is presented in, in scripture and let's look at how God doesn't violate sovereign rights and will never allow anyone to violate his sovereign rights and this is what the self-controlling love of God does and the self-control that is in us and that's in him Genesis 126 then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and when um, Christ is giving us his the dominion he can now practice or perform his works on earth through us now let's look at revelations and the spirit w and the bride say come and let him who hears come and let him who thirsts come whoever desires let him take the water of life freely the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all amen the Lord does not violate sovereign rights come and take it as a gift the liberation that the love of God has through the self-control that is in it is expressed in the ability to remain in freedom that Christ has given us for self-control allows allows us to remain in the in the liberation of Christ Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage what will this help us do this will self-control will help us do this to stand in liberation what are sovereign rights what are sovereign rights it is liberation in our um, country America people like freedom we're far from it we're far from free and democracy is the most unique kind of slavery and the most unique kind this talks about liberty liberty that is possible to accept and keep 
without allowing the flesh to violate our sovereign rights. Self-control can violate the rights of the flesh. The flesh must not allow to to control us. I do not violate, or I it does not violate my rights. I violate the rights of my flesh. Why does the flesh t or the old man take up this room in my house? I want him gone. John chapter 8 verse 32 And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. According the Son the Son makes you free and you shall be free indeed. According to the meaning of this to use this liberty we must accept it according to the conditions of God through the obedience of the words of the person who represents the Father of God for us. As it is written He who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalms 91 verse 1 and to live under the shadow or abide under the shower of shadow of the Almighty where truth and liberation are is to choose our place in God what does it mean to live under the shadow of the Almighty it's to choose our place in God to hide in God to abide in God be rooted in God be built up in God to multiply in God and pleasing to God this is that place where our rights are not violated Third, self-control in the selective love of God is the ability to love our Lord. Joshua chapter 23, verse 11. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. To take heed, to ke take careful ke heed is called to use all of the means contained in our voluntary and reasoning abilities to expressing the love of God. It's interesting, the pastor had said the emotional. So, the means that are contained in the voluntary and the reasoning abilities, not our emotions abilities. March or Mark 12:30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Take a look; that our emotions aren't included in this list. Let us pay attention. The words to take careful heed to love, again and again, tell us that to achieve this goal, we need to overcome certain boundaries. Not overcome certain boundaries, but overcome certain walls. Because certain walls that arrive on the path to us demonstrating love toward God will come from enemies such as our own flesh, our relatives, carnal and wicked people, from the world in the face of our nation, and from demons who stand above all the enemies that we were just listed. And to and to overcome these walls, we need to die with the Lord, cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to our nation, the house of our Father, and corrupt desires. Fourth, self-control is defined by the ability to reject evil and worldly lusts. Titus 2, 11-12, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. 
According to these words, the purpose that is comprised of us uh, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts is the ability to use the vo our voluntary abilities so that we could correctly live in the present age soberly, righteously, and godly. And let us uh, define what is soberly, righteously, and godly. To live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Let's listen carefully. To live soberly means withholding sober, reasonable. To live righteously means to act righteously according to the laws of light. To demonstrate immortality or the lack of the feeling of guilt. To live righteously means to not have the feeling of guilt. Psychologists say that the feeling of guilt is the strongest kind of emotion. The feeling of guilt, not resentment, bitterness, but guilt. Guilt towards oneself. He has um, his bitterness against me or I am bitter against him. Well, okay, you can overcome this, but guilt is the strongest kind of emotion from which uh, it is impossible to be rid of, especially with the help of a psychologist or psychiatrist or a counselor. The feeling of guilt coming from the law of condemnation allows a per, uh, does not allow a person to live calmly. Sometimes criminals, um, their conscience bothers them so much that they come and they give themselves up. Psalms 32, verse 3 through 5. When I kept silent, my groans grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. Oh, look at what David, what had bothered David? Looks like he had sinned and he was weary of it. And what did he do? He did not come to a psychologist. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you when he said to the prophet of the Lord, I have acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. How, how um, when a person confesses his sin, he can, he can then uh, breathe a sigh of relief. A person will feel better. That's all right if we will remember this sin. <laughs> not that we will, not that we will, or not that we have any interest in, interest in doing so. But this person has received victory. Victory. He now can breathe a sigh of relief. And finally, in the present age, we must live godly. To live godly, despite circumstances, to bridle our tongue and to keep ourselves from um, being defiled by the world. James 1, 26 or 27. If anyone among you thinks he is uh, thinks he is godly and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's godliness is useless. Pure and undefiled godliness before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Fifth, self-control that is contained in the selective love of God is to use our energy to being raptured up to the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So, the kingdom of heaven can be taken by violence. It's interesting that the word um, violence means to, to steal, to grab, to attribute to ourselves. That's what it means to 
to rapture to to uh, take you by force. This means that taking the kingdom of heaven we must be prepared we must take if we hear a promise we must be ready to immediately take it to grab it to take the king to heaven means when we have the promise the promise related to the door of our hope to grab it and then we must present evidence at what according to what basis can I can I take this promise have I liked it or have I simply just liked it no it needs to we need to demonstrate that it belongs to us at the door of hope we must grab and God will ask us, on what basis have you taken this promise? Some people might say, well, I, I liked it. I liked how it sounded. No, we need to demonstrate more than that. Because we know that God has promised for the resurrection of Christ to for us to maintain it in our body. Six, self-control contained in the love of Christ in our heart is defined by the ability to pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Again, we're talking about consistency and watching and being watchful to this end. Praying always with all prayer is a kind of communication with God in which a person expresses his love toward God, and God in turn pours out his love toward man. The phrase, try to pray always with all prayer and supplication, being watchful to the Son with all perseverance, means our prayer will be met um, with met head on by certain enemies. We must have self-control so that with all consistency, and with all perseverance and supplication, we can be watchful to the end. This wall could be wicked and lawless people, relatives, demons. They will. They want us to lose this consistency, but we must pray always with all prayer and supplication, and be watchful to the end with all perseverance or consistency. And the seventh property, and we will then pray. Self-control contained in the love of Christ in our heart is defined by the ability to have all things that are lawful for us. Again, let us wake up and let us listen to it again. Self-control that is contained in the love of Christ in our heart is defined by the ability to have all things that are lawful for us. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. As soon as certain things begin to rule over us, they will immediately transform, be transformed into our idols because things that can control us is our worship and our deity. And these kind of things that can be transformed into our idols and become our worship and our deities are our rights to four things. 
our right to money, our lawful right to anointing, our lawful right to blessing all, our lawful right to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And only the power that is contained in the self-controlling love of God can keep our liberation or freedom from these things that are given to us by God so that they can serve us and not so that they can rule over us. I will not read this again. Uh, we must read it ten times. And after ten times, ten more times. And we must never cease to read all of these things. All of these things that I have read, it's possible to forget all of it. Um, forgive all of it if we do not if we do not read it and thank God that we have have one another we have cell groups and so forth where we can be reminded and, and reread and go over all this material again may all of you be blessed in your prayers Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege and the legal right to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you, Father, that you today, through your word, demonstrate your goodness toward your people. We thank you that you have demonstrated your goodness and your faithfulness to your word that you have spoken and that you have magnified above all your name. We thank you that we can stand in this place thanks to the fact that Jesus Christ has demonstrated His holiness in your life. He has died and been resurrected for our justification. And we have received this as a gift of grace because the Son of God, the second figure face of the Godhead, it was able to express your, your godliness. He has died and resurrected for us. We thank you that we are righteous and that today you uh, give us requirements according to our calling and title to practice righteousness and to be sanctified. We thank you that this place, your Zion, has become the place, Lord, the place of your goodness. We thank you that that word that you give us today through your gospel, through your gospel word from the messenger of God, you have kept us hidden, or you have kept us in this teaching, in these words. And when these words become the achievement of our heart, our thinking, they become the achievement of the words that come from our lips, then the Holy Spirit, as writer, can bridle our body. That's why we want the Holy Spirit to be the Lord and ruler of our life by controlling our bits and bridles so that our prayer can be practiced according to your commandments and your statutes. We thank you, Lord, that today our heart has also become the presence of your goodness because our heart is good before your holy face. You have said that all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen through us. We thank you that you have hidden those saints whom you have established. You have uh, placed them to plant your word. You have placed us, placed yourself 
in us. Because if we are planted, if we are watered, and you are going to try to grow something in us, but we do not cleanse our conscience from foreign things, from birds that destroy these promises, then they will not bring us any blessings and all the promises that are found in Christ will not be yes and amen in our life. That's why allow us, Lord, today to understand the importance of our cooperation with you and the preparation of our heart to accepting your seed. You have done everything on your end. Your word was poured out from the mouths of your saints. Allow our heart to be made worthy to accept this blessed word. And we ask for this word to become the achievement not only of our heart, but so that we can renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ. And so that knowledge can be our quality. We thank you that you allow us today and you continue to feed us with milk and honey so that we can distinguish and provide a definition for good and evil so that we can understand what is good and what is evil only so that we can deny evil and choose good. We thank you that we have made the decision and we choose good. You have we choose blessing through through curse that is going to be directed against that person that contends over our essence but it is not addressed to us we direct your law your thunderous law without distorting it but in that form which you have spoken it on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim or Mount Ebal and all of your severity we direct it toward the old man and we thank you that with the law with the spiritual law we destroy the other law death over which stand the powers of death we thank you Lord for that law that you have given us through Moses there is no weapon better than this against the old man. We thank you that this law is perfect and that there is none better than this law for the old man. It is not there for the one who lives in our essence but does not have therefore Lord we ask that no room in our essence except the old man. And we destroy our relationship with the old man. And this husband, our old man, we separate ourselves from him. We destroy all relationship with him. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the liberation of Christ that we have received, and we stand in this freedom, and our soul today destroys all relationship with the old man. 
and it uh, speaks a decree upon him. We thank you, Lord, that we do this. When we die to our nation, to the house of our Father, and to our lusts, in doing so, we write the verdict of our divorce from him, divorce from this lawless one. Therefore, Lord, we thank you that at the door of our hope, you have promised that the power of death will be thrown into the underworld and in our bodies the power of life will be raised up. Allow us, Lord, to shine with our lamps and to demonstrate before your coming not just the mind of Christ in knowledge but self-control, the ability to choose to choose good and reject evil. We thank you that these revelations have become the achievement not just of our heart because your goal was not for it to become the achievement of heart because if this word received by us will not become the achievement of our mind and our prayer, our lips, it will die. He will die for us in our heart. We thank you that every truth becomes wonderful, wonderful bits and bridles of our writer, the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, thank the Holy Spirit, that we are not led by our emotions. Feelings of some sort. We are led by your word because you, Father, have hidden your goodness in your word. The Holy Spirit reveals your goodness in your word. The Son has demonstrated that He is this word. And Lord, we thank you for the right to accept and to be this word. We thank you that we can be this book of life with you. We thank you that our names are written in the book of life. And by writing our names on the white stone, you have said that our names will now not ever be, never be blotted of the book of life because you have become our seal. We thank you that our names always become a seal. And through the prayer of your saints, you can do many things. We ask you, Lord, to allow your work to be seen. We thank you for the works that you do. We want you to show those things that happen in us, and we will see them, and we thank you for them. That today we can see all of these signs and, and miracles. We can see all of these things. We can see sunsets and sunrises. We can see your seas, your mountains, your promises, your commandments, your statutes. We can see your valleys that you fill with your dew. We can see all your vessels, sources in our heart. And we thank you that we learn this through the gospel word that has become our treasure. That's why, Lord, we thank you for those saints whom you have given to us. We thank you for our leaders and um, Brother Akadi and Sister Tamara, you have blessed us with them, and we accept them as your blessings. And you have blessed not just our church, but also this, this whole, this whole congregation. We thank you, and we bless them from your holy place.
and allow us, Lord, to serve as a blessing for them. We ask you to fill your, your lamp with your revelation because we not only desire, we are also ready to accept this revelation. We want your revelation to become the achievement of our prayer, our hearts, and our life. We are worthy in Jesus Christ to accept this revelation and we are going to, with trembling and humility, with an inclined ear to accept that word that will allow us to be like our Heavenly Father. And for this, Lord, we ask you to fill with counsel, wisdom, guidance, your lamp, our pastor. We thank you that we, with dignity, take the breads off, the golden tables of showbreads, and we eat them. And we believe, Lord, that on this Sabbath, in this service, through your messenger, you will place new breads, new revelations that have also become the achievement of our essence. We thank you, Lord, for that peace and that rest. We thank you for righteousness that we have received, not through the works of the law, but through righteousness by faith. You have allowed us, Lord, to be heirs of peace, and heirs of peace not through the works of the law, but through righteousness by faith. We thank you for righteousness of faith. We thank you for the service of justification. We thank you, Lord, that today your saints are rid of a feeling of guilt. Do not pay attention to their emotions. They know that they are forgiven and they are justified by Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you they have rid your inheritance from this scary feeling of guilt you have given us the spirit of wisdom spirit of soberness you have made us righteous in Jesus Christ we wait to meet with you and we fix our lamps waiting for you Lord and being prepared to meet with you our lamps will always be in a burning state not just our lamps but also our vessels will always be in a filled state and we Lord cherish you for these services that we have on Friday Sunday Tuesdays at our cell groups we thank you that we're able to gather at that place where you have hidden and contained your great goodness the kindness that only you have our Heavenly Father and we being in this great goodness we can we can feel that a comfort because you are present here by the power of the Holy Spirit in your word. May your holy name be blessed in the name of the God, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion, 
and power, both now and forever. Amen.